You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here. Lucky enough, well, I say lucky, that's in quotes. Lucky enough to host Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 113. 113 of these. Not all this year. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, hey, we are here in the middle of White Sox fandom 2022. And boy, it's been something we've been struggling with, suffering from all season long. And no point in the season has probably been lower, uglier, and more painful than this past weekend where the White Sox took a series they uh, reasonably should have won, let's say two out of three, and decided to sweep and not even be competitive in two of those games. And we could talk a lot about the details of those games, but that's not going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure we will refer to this past uh, series and this depressing season. Uh, But we're going to do a little different podcast like we try to do because it's just not fun to keep talking about this team week after week after week, nothing changes. <laughs> we can't even make a change. They're not listening. Uh, so we're going to do something a little bit different with this podcast and probably just sprinkle in details of the misery of the past week um, as we go along. Uh, before I launch into introducing that, let me introduce the guests we have on the podcast. Again, once again, always, when that signal goes up, Indianapolis responds. It is the field office of Crystal O'Keefe and Joseph Reeses. Uh, Crystal, uh, welcome. I'm glad to have you with me once again. Uh, quick gut check. How are you feeling? Not great. <laughs> perfect. You're the perfect guest for this podcast. Hey, Joe, Re- Joe, Joe Reeses, um, how are you feeling? Well, at least they're making it easy to quit, <laughs> I suppose. I, there's silver lining in it. Um, I, I mean, if they would have taken two out of three from Arizona, I would still kind of be on the fence about the team. But 
that is no longer the case. So, I mean, at least, at least I kind of know where to stand now. Hold you right back in. Uh, and they didn't do it this time. Thank you, White Sox. Thank you. Allows us to have a different sort of podcast. Now, I don't know what's wrong with me. I have problems, some audio visual type auditory issues. I don't know why I could not pronounce Jordan Haas's name properly, but uh, she is here with us uh, once again. Uh, perhaps, you did with, it. perhaps with guest cat. Oh yeah, I'm I'm on now. I'm you I'm got on. it now. You no, know, listen, I've called Crystal Cheryl, uh, Joe. I probably screwed something up. I don't, I don't know what it is, but didn't call him Sox Math Champion or something. Uh, so yeah, listen, I'm 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 on the train now, Jordan. No no sweat at all. But okay, quick cut check. Uh, <laughs> You're going to get a lot of very interpersonal uh, interaction with this team, uh, given that you're now uh, writing on a very frequent basis for us. Uh, so, uh, you know, quickly, uh, how are you feeling? I, I have an entire article that says how I'm feeling. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but not any better than when I wrote that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, nothing's gotten any better. Um what I want to do with this podcast, at least the bulk of it, is um, address Sox uh, fandom. Uh, not White Sox Twitter, not the people who still defend Tony La Russa, not the people who still think the White Sox have a chance, or the people who think there's absolutely no possibility the White Sox do anything this year. Hey, there's a month left, whatever, who knows, crappy division. Uh, but something that's been creeping up on all of us, whether you're fairly new to the White Sox fandom, or maybe, you know, you're, listen, my life stretches longer than all of yours, and my White Sox fandom stretches <laughs> longer than, oh, probably at least a couple of you. Um and, you know, it speaks to the, you know, the nature of our fandom. What attracts the team in the first place uh, often, of course, is passed down from, say, a parent. Father is often, often the case, but um, could be a brother, could be, could be a friend. Uh, you might just be contrary and decide to like the White Sox in what seems to be a Chicago Cubs world, which, you know, by the way, hasn't always been close to that. But, um, but more importantly, how this team, this team particularly, just in the course of Two years under Tony La Russa, because last year there were a lot of traditional White Sox characteristics of uh, competitive White Sox teams that were present, <laughs> maybe in spite of Tony La Russa, but they were present. This year we see a team that's actually being instructed maybe not to hustle. We're seeing a team that isn't hustling, doesn't seem to be caring. And this isn't just us as fans saying, wow, they lost, so they must not care. I hate them. I'm never watching the White Sox again, which we all tend to do as, as fans. We're fans. Uh, but it seems to be now much more part of the culture. You can point to Rick Hahn not putting together a team that um, I, you know, gave the established holdovers and the core of this team a chance to win, uh, hiring Tony Roos in the first place, going all the way up to, of course, ownership. And now the recent prayers that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to sell the team, which, you know, I got news for you. And there's an article sitting right alongside this podcast is going to tell you very clearly that is not going to happen, at least until he is no longer with us. Um, so forget that, but there just seems to be a, a culture change with this team, even in the course of just a matter of months, uh, it's been building perhaps. And it, you know, frankly, to me as a fan, you know, it offends the aesthetic I have as a White Sox fan, what attracts me to the team, what keeps me with them. I'm not a lifer. I, it's there's no guarantee. I'm going to be a White Sox for, for life. Uh, some of you, oh, maybe all of you weren't even born when the White Sox held out the state of Illinois for a new stadium. Uh, and at that time I was, I don't know, 18 or something. I don't know. I was a fan and I had, I was, I was a free thinking fan. And I said, hell with you, you go to Florida. I don't care. I don't know where I would have gone, Milwaukee, 
I was about to go to school in Texas, Texas, God help me. I'm like a Texas man. I probably just wouldn't have been as much of a baseball fan. I certainly wouldn't have been a strong Sox fan. Uh, so, and I can't speak for the rest of my guests. We're all different fans and, 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 and maybe you are lifers that say, listen, I'm with the Sox forever. But I think this podcast wants to address a little bit of what's if the team has gotten away from what attracted you to the White Sox in the first place, I'm interested to know how they might have done that. It's, it's, it's clear to me in ways it's happened. And I can, of course, as I always do chime in, everybody loves to have podcasts with me, but um, just, you know, whoever wants to throw something out, is there something different about this year that really speaks not just to, ah, the team's doing lousy and they're not going to make the playoffs and I'm disappointed, but Hey, wait, is this what my fandom's about? I'll start this off. (laughs) I think you said it best in Slack the other day, you know, when you cover your team that you root for and you're forced to even see it with a bit more of a critical eye than just your everyday kind of fan going to the game, hanging out with their friends. Like you're forced to watch this team constantly underproduce, constantly fail and it takes a lot out of you. Like their date, like today, I didn't have to watch the game. I didn't have coverage. I watched my son in 90 degree heat play a double header instead. And even though they lost both games, it was still more enjoyable than watching the White Sox play today. And like I've, I now just take advantage of these like recharge days where I don't have any coverage because I just, I'm sick of watching it. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of, well, we had so many injuries or just any excuse. Like, I don't care. I'm like pro no one at this point. And when you see it on players' faces too, I mean, last night they panned into Mm -hmm. Jose Abreu's face and it was just, it hurt me as a fan, you know, someone who, you know, has this beautiful Jose Abreu right here. Mm -hmm. Like it hurt me as a fan to see how bummed out he is and how the rest and like how Eloy's not smiling anymore. Like, it's just this huge bummer that I'm just like, come on October. I need a vacation from this team before I can cover them again next season. Yeah. Really talking about recharge. Well, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, myself and the site, Crystal, so sorry. You've been a hero this year, but, and you know, the end is in sight, <laughs> that, that light in the distance, it is a train coming, but it is still coming. That sweet, sweet death will come soon enough. And uh, running well, towards that train. Yeah, it, it is rough. Uh, Joe Jordan, uh, thoughts really about, you know, even how you came to the White Sox as a fan or, you know, what, you know, what, what, what characteristic do you associate with the team and your fandom and, or, you know, just, how this team might be throwing that for a little bit of a loop. Yes. Um, yeah, I actually came to the White Sox fandom um, and because of Ken the Hawk Harrelson back in the day, like I, I'm from a family actually of mostly Cubs fans. Um, and um, yeah, before I came along, my father was kind of a lifelong, you know, blasphemous fan who cheered for both of the Chicago teams. So, <laughs> Like Ken Harrelson, kind of, yeah. Now he's a, only a White Sox fan, um, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed just like the enthusiasm that he had, um, for, especially with the home run calls. Um, it was entertaining for me every every time, especially as as a little kid. Um, and um, 
I, the grinder rule commercials I will always kind of associate with the White Sox, um, especially with how iconic that year was in, in White Sox history. Um, that was you know, that insane World Series year was you know, I, I was very, very lucky. That was my third year as a White Sox fan. <laughs> Um, yeah, before then, I wasn't really of a baseball watching age, really. Um, so that was that was extremely lucky. Um, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, this year, obviously, very different vibes. Um, not really following a lot of the grinder rules. Um, and um, yeah, in terms of just yeah, this is yeah, this is now my twentieth year of being a fan, and yeah, maybe two thousand seven was more disappointing. Maybe because um, yeah, they. We're coming off, obviously, of the recent World Series at that point and a 90-win season the previous year where had there been a second wildcard team, they would, that would have been enough to make the playoffs. Um, in 2007, they went 72-90. and 90, like So they weren't even close to how good right. like, I thought they'd be. Um, yeah, maybe that year was more disappointing than this, but I'm, I'm not even sure um, if it is. Um, I mean, yeah, this is – they were – I feel like – with the timeline of their rebuilds, like 2022 should have been essentially the, the height of it. Um, I mean, it's year three. Um, they were kind of set up for, you know, the early 2020s to be their time. Like this is, this is go time, so to speak. And um, yeah, it's even a lot of the times when they win, it's just like, you know, it's kind of a, and three to two, four to three, like bullpen grinds it out. Um, they kind of singled home their only few runs. It's like not, not a lot of highlights to look back on and being like, oh yes, that that was a great win there. Really can hang our hat on that one and look back at it you know, at, on the highlight reel at the end of the season. Um, so you know, slightly below five hundred, even when they win, like it's it hasn't really been that exciting. So yeah, it's. Yeah, well, it has been a lot to take in from that perspective, but um, yeah, it's unfortunate, and I hope that they are able to make some changes. Um, but I won't hold my breath. Yeah, uh, and and listen, um, it, it's popular for Cub fans to chide White Sox fans about, "Oh, you care so much about the team," and we've seen since the White Sox have have, have taken off a little bit. Uh, that of course we know none of that's true and the fan shame and all the stuff, you know, everything goes around and comes around, you know, we're all just baseball fans. We're the smarter ones. That's very clear. Uh, but I mean, there's no, there's nothing, there's no harm in defining yourself as a Chicago baseball fan relative to the Cubs. This is a two team town. There's not many of them. So of course, part of what defines you as a fan is what maybe what the other team isn't. This is why I'm White Sox and not a Cubs fan. Some of what I see, and you know, some of what you said, Joe, sort of triggered this in me. Some of what you're seeing this year gets into a little bit of that. I hate to say like the lovable loser thing, because it's not quite that, but there's this sort of like the not really caring ownership not really seemingly caring it doesn't matter they're gonna hey they're gonna play the games anyway fans will come they want to drink some beer uh that's a that's definitely something i define myself as a fan of not being um of course things have gotten very complicated with cubs ownership cub fandom uh, over the past decade or so and again that's an it's a podcast or a podcast series unto itself <laughs> which <laughs> crystal could speak very intelligently to uh, and who knows? We might have that uh, that series in the offseason. What the hell else are we going to talk about? But 
you know, part of what fandom is here, and I, I guess just even referring to your your father, Joe, is you know, it often is in most cases. He's obviously uh, one of the unique um, others, but you know, you do sometimes defend define yourself of what you aren't as much as what you are. And in a two team town, that's very easy to do. You know, who cares about Milwaukee? Who cares about uh, St. Louis? This is a team right across town. All right, Jordan, uh, getting to you now. Um, uh, again, same question, just sort of um, what you see this year and how it matches up against um, how you, f- you know, how you feel as a fan, how you came to the White Sox as a fan um, and whether it matches up or not. I mean, my earliest, one of my earliest memories is getting woken up to like watch them win the World Series <laughs> when I was like six years old. <laughs> so it's like nothing, nothing has hit that high. I guess. I mean, the yeah. Field of Dreams game was great, but it feels like it's been all downhill since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I think the one thing that even even in the, like, terrible early 2000s, not early 2000s, early, like, 2010s teams, like, with where we had Adam Dunn and all that, it was like, we were at least hitting home runs. It was fun because you could, you could, we could be losing, like, eight to five, but we hit like three or four home runs. It was like, I mean, there, I'm, I was reading somewhere that one, there was a year where we led the the league in home runs, but like, didn't, didn't, were like 29th in runs scored, but that's still fun. People like watching home runs. There's fun things about a home run. And it's like, I, I'm a sucker for good pitching, which we've kind of had, but it's like no one, but Cueto and like cease today, go past the seventh inning because for whatever reason, no one can throw a strike. Even Z's can't throw a strike. And it's just like everything I find fun in baseball isn't happening. It's like you, you, you come to a game to like, Oh, a cup, there's going to be a home run or two, or there's going to be, there's going to be some good strikeout stuff from the pitchers. And none of that's happened this year. Like Luis Roberts leading the team in home runs with like 16. <laughs> I, I'm, I am, I've said this like, I think four or five times. I think I've said it on every single podcast. No one's going to hit 20 home runs this year with the White Sox. It's, it's, it's statistically, it's like, yeah. we'd, we'd have to go on some insane, like 25 game winning streak to where any, even the slightest bit of hope would be returned. And even then, I'm just like, I'm at the point where it's like, I was like, if we won today, there's still, you know, that little tiny sliver of hope or whatever. But even then, I'm like, I don't feel hopeful. But now it's like, it's like, okay, that hope is gone. Any game we win now feels meaningless, yeah. almost at this point. It's like we, we've we lost enough and we've lost terribly enough into enough bad teams that any game we win doesn't matter. I'd rather just keep losing at least – Losing in fun fashion, at least, maybe. I mean, I'd rather lose a game where we hit, like, three or four home runs than win a game where we score three and give up two and all the all fucking singles. Yeah. <laughs> the um, Another thing that uh, Joe had even brought up, um, too, and again, it defines us. And, you know, not to look at all seasons with rose-colored glasses. It's been terrible seasons. Uh, Joe mentioned 2007. The one that really jumps out at me is being even a bigger disappointment in 2007 is 1984. Team won 99 games, sort of got upset in the playoffs because they're still sort of young. 
Uh, by no means did you think they're having, um, um, you know, couriers, you know, sorry if this goes a little bit too far back uh, to all of you, but I mean, that one was just stunning. They won the division by, I want to say 20, 20 plus games. Uh, it wasn't, weren't even above 500 the next year. Just stunning. Piloted by Tony Larusa, God help us. Um, but you traditionally, okay, this is a team, the grinder ball in 2005, it was a nice little tag and they did dig. They had AJ Persinski, so Lord knows they're going to dig and cheat their way to wins. Uh, but of course they hit 8,000 home runs too. In the 50s, they had an enormous streak uh, from 1951 to 1967, never had a losing season. Traditionally, the White Sox, uh, unlike, say, again, sorry to use it as a frame of reference, the Cubs. The Cubs bottom out frequently. Again, it hasn't (laughs) happened too much lately, and things are really changing here in the 21st century. But uh, traditionally, always competitive. Going into the season, I mean, this is a, a, a lot of the Ken Williams aesthetic of, of being all in. You always have a shot. Now, granted, maybe you, you, you mortgage the farm, you know, to do that, but you're always going in saying, hey, we got a chance this year. We're going for it. There's four other teams in the division. Let's go for a division win. Uh, none of this rebuilding jazz. Um, again, that's part of the tradition that brings us uh, perhaps uh, to the team as Sox fans. And it's a fight that you do not see in this team now. The culture seems to be off. Uh, somehow has culture, winning culture, White Sox culture, if that means anything, and in a carpetbagging type of professional sports world, now I know it means less than it ever did. Uh, but is there culture taken for granted? Did the White Sox assume bringing in Tony La Russa is going to bring some sort of culture that was going to allow them, apparently they did think they're going to take them from the Ricky Renneria White Sox to the Tony La Russa White Sox, and we just didn't know that step was going down instead of up. Uh, it was culture taken for granted. Is is there laziness in the front office or even on the field that's that seeped in that we're seeing this season that somehow got dodged last year? I think at the end of the day, it just all comes back to Tony La Russa. I know Rick sucks, Kenny sucks, Jerry sucks, but he has just shot this team down. I mean, they're not competitive anymore. The fans hate him. When you constantly go to the park and hear fire Tony chants, and when fire Tony chants break out at other ballparks, you know you're down bad. I think he just, I think he broke it. You know, all these players, I mean, they were fun. They were exciting to watch. And then he came in and everybody's just miserable. And I feel like it's some like Stockholm syndrome mm. thing going on, especially with some of these players that'll, that'll defend him. Yes. I mean, Jose, like, oh, we, no, it, we're great. I'm like, blink twice, Tim. Yeah, Jose's in that dugout, and he looks like he looks like he's at a, a wake or he's just been to a funeral. And yet then the next day, I mean, just I think I think just today or just recently defending Tony again. It's like, yeah, yeah right, right. Are you are you there? Meanwhile, Tony doesn't defend them. He's like, yeah, well, we suck. Or he doesn't defend <laughs> his players. And he's cool with people dinging them after mm-hmm. – you know, three zero count, and I'm like, he he doesn't care about you. He cares that he's making money, and that's it. That he doesn't care. He does not care about this team. Nobody cares about that team. Everybody's lazy. Nobody gives a shit anymore. But Tony, I think, just took what was a promising, talented team on the upswing, and just buried it within a year's time. That's funny. We always say, boy, the managers don't, and I don't, I don't subscribe to this, but you know, of course it's very popular to say managers don't really matter. They don't make an impact. And that might not be the case here too, but boy, if there is ever a argument to be made, an argument to be made 
the managers really do matter in ways that maybe we can't even statistically figure. There will, there are people that know I am a White Sox fan and will not even ask anything else about the team. Just how do you feel about Tony? Like, do you like, they're like trying to like gauge where I'm at on this, like, do you love him or hate him scale? And I'm like, he's the worst thing they could have done. Yeah. I hate him. I am anti-Tony. Friend of my, my answer hasn't changed since the last time I gave you that answer. Believe me, it's only gotten worse. I've answered this 38 times. It will not change Uh, another 38 times. Uh, Jordan and Joe, this culture, um, this uh, issue, um, you know, again, stemming with Tony, I mean, again, Tony can't, I mean, he's not a straw man by no means. He's obviously not a hundred percent of it either, even though he would be really close. Um, but is there something just permeating this team where it's almost like, I don't know if it's, that's, is it, is it laissez-faire? Is it, I, I'm really unsure. And I guess that's why we're talking about it. He's a parasite. Mm. He's, he's, he is sucking the, mm. whatever lifeblood was in this team is, is, has been sucked out of it. He, it almost seems like he was, he was put in this position to be like, I feel, I feel this is, this is total conspiracy theory. (laughs) I, Jerry hired Tony, not only to like, whatever, you know, get his firing back, be make up to his friend or whatever, but he's like, this team is too good. (laughs) Bring them down a peg. He's like, I think. Maybe Jerry thought this team was getting too big for their britches, so he's like, "You know what? Let's bring in, let's bring in Tony, and he'll he'll knock him down a peg." And instead of knocking them down a peg, he's just like knocked him off the ladder entirely. And now they're on the floor writhing in pain, both literally and figuratively, because of Tony. And they've been it's just like. It, Nothing. He's like he's like there. He's like absorbing all of the good, good vibes that were there. And now it's 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 sad, kind of. I guess. I mean, I kind of feel bad for the players because it's like you know they're gonna they're playing bad, but it's like some some part of playing good is like being in the good mood to play good. And they're just like none of them want to win for Tony. They wanted to win, you know, for Ricky and mm-hmm. for. How Robin Ventura, but like no one, no one wants to win for Tony mm. Larusa. They want to win in spite of him, and when you start losing after winning in spite of him, it's like, well, we, it's not even at this point our our call on whether we can win in spite of him. It's winning like because his stupid managerial decisions somehow worked out or whatever. It's like there's nothing he brings nothing to the table and actively is like a negative force on the team that's for sure uh well okay well that is a conspiracy th- i have my own conspiracy theory i'll share it in a second it is not nearly as uh, big a whopper as that that if that is anywhere near true burn the ballpark down okay uh uh jordan's weighed in um joe specifically maybe toward um culture and maybe not even just how tony because uh, clearly you know to- tony has thrown it off um, arguably poisoned it ate it all up you know, sucked it dry like the vampire is, whatever. Uh, but the vibe you're getting, um, the culture of this team, even maybe 2021 to 2022, or certainly what what was being built under Ricky to now where we're at. Uh, yes. Um. So I would don't know how much exactly I should be blaming Tony for a 
negative culture. I mean, he is the manager, so I would certainly think he's at least you know, responsible, at least to sure. a limited degree. Um, maybe not a hundred percent, but yeah. I, really, when the White Sox were in the rebuild before they were good, like 2018, 2019, um, I would have never imagined uh, like team chemistry or team energy ever being a concern, especially with guys like Tim Anderson with the who had exhibited the high energy and sort of play style. He had the, the, the very epic bat flip in 2019 um, in what was otherwise a pretty um, lackluster season. Um, they also had Eloy Jimenez, even before he was in the majors, I had a strong sense that he'd be a very lively player. Um, and he, in 2018, when they were manipulating his service time, he wrote the article in the Players' Tribune. I still remember it. It's still one of my favorite pieces of all time where he was saying, I'm ready. And I remember when I came across that, um, it was, I just gotten, gotten home from, from work that day. And, and I read that and I was like, normally I'd be a little bit tired after work and I'd be, you know, be ready to, you know, sit down, you know, relax for and unwind for a bit. But, um, after I read that, I was just ready to run through a brick wall <laughs> with how, with like how energized he was and, and how enthusiastic he was to, you know, get a shot at joining the, the major league roster when he was very clearly deserving at that point, you know, just crushing minor league pitchers left and right that year. Um, so with like Tim Anderson and Aloy Jimenez, who was very, very close to the top of the prospect rankings that year. Yeah. Never would have imagined like energy or excitement ever being an issue. Like I felt, yeah. you know, they were, you know, slightly disappointing. Like if they were say in, only in the 85 to 90 win range and not quite among the best teams in baseball. Um, I've always got the sense going into, going into the height of the rebuild that they would always at least be exciting. And um, it hasn't happened. And um yeah, I think there are a lot of people to blame for that. Um, but yeah, the, we've been through it a lot, but absolutely the hiring of Tony LaRusa hurts. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll give you my conspiracy theory quick. It's not new, but uh, we're all scratching our heads. Certainly back two years ago when Ricky was, first of all, fired. Uh, but that's when the Russo's hired. And I think part of the reason it stems from them not having a real uh, manager search since 2004 when Ozzie Guillen was uh, hired. Uh, and I think since then, or since Ozzie left, obviously he was there with the White Sox for uh, a number of years. Uh, it was a standing offer to Tony. You want to come back and come back. And you can't conduct a legitimate managerial uh, interview process with that hanging over your head. No legitimate candidate's going to be like, oh, yeah, no problem. If Tony Russo wants to come back, I'll just find another job or I'll be the bench coach. Uh, so that's why you get Paul Canerco discussed as a player manager 
uh, after Ozzy leaves. Uh, Robin ends up being hired out of nowhere because like he'd be a general if he wasn't a baseball player. Uh, Ricky Renneria, you know, obviously a guy who had had some success with the Cubs, got dumped and, you know, had no idea when he was hired with the White Sox. I'm sure the same thing was about to happen to him. Uh, I think that looming was something that probably you, they sit down and say, okay, we got to find a guy who's going to be willing to maneuver. And maybe Tony will never come back. And, you know, great. Maybe Ricky Renneria will be a Hall of Fame manager with the White Sox. But if Tony wants to come back, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would have taken win a World Series or, I don't know, win a division or whatever it was. Certainly making the playoffs wasn't enough. Because then it became, wow, geez, Ricky was hunched over like he was constipated during game three, even though I had no pitchers. What were, what were we expecting him to look like? Got to fire him. He just can't handle the pressure. Well, I'm guessing he would handle the pressure better in 2022 than the guy we got now. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I guess as we wind up, let's revisit this with a wrinkle. Uh, I want to say a number of months ago, weeks, months, seems like years, uh, I threw out the option uh, to give you the power to get rid of just one of, of the three principal decision makers on the White Sox. The wrinkle is you get rid of one, the other two have to stay. I did the cheat and said like, well, of course I'm going to get rid of uh, Reinsdorf because then the new owner is going to get rid of Han and Larusa. No, well, that's a cheat. I admit it. It's a cheat. So the question is, you can get rid of Jerry Reinsdorf as Jerry Reinsdorf as owner, Rick Hahn as general manager, Tony Russa as manager. But at least for let's say a year, maybe two years, whatever, the other two have to stay. So my question is, as we wind this up, I'll start with uh, with Crystal. Um, who are you getting rid of, um, and why? Tony. So Tony still goes. Tony um. Yeah, because. Tony is the cancer to this team. Jerry is on, you know, limited time. And Rick could grow a backbone oh, if those two are gone. <laughs> Fair. So Tony all day. Okay. Uh, Jordan, um, who's your choice? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I think Jerry, because I think Rick will grow a backbone with no Jerry. And if it's only a year or two of Tony, I think Rick can at least with a new owner who is willing to spend the money on some guys, I think he can at least put the talent there to when, let's just say Tony retires after a year or two. I think he can put the talent in place with the money from a new owner. That'll, you know, Put us in contention whenever Tony's gone. And maybe maybe put us in contention while Tony's here. Seventh payroll this year, Jordan. They did have some money this year. Rick just didn't spend it very well. But maybe he'll just wake up. Uh, okay, Joe, one of three. Are you, are you going to make this a, a split decision, or do you have a repeat answer? My old answer when we discussed okay. this a while ago was Han, but I, I, I flipped Tony. Um, okay. Yeah, they're, they're – yeah, like – with a new general manager, it I, I feel like they could easily do better than Han still, but it, it would take some time, I feel like, for that change to take yeah. effect. Whereas it, replacing Tony, it, it's just such an easy thing to do. And it, the results, I feel like you, you would at least see something there in the very near future. And there is just so little redeeming about him. Like... Han, I, I am of the opinion that general managers have a, a more 
impact on a team than managers do. But even still, like there really is no reason for Larusa to be there. Whereas Han, while maybe he has hurt the 2022 team, um, a bit a, a lot because of his his offseason. Oh yes, he has. <laughs> have not paid off. No, no huge surprise there, I guess. Uh-huh. But um, there, yeah, it's. It would take some time for a new general manager to to um, undo that, whereas replacing Tony would be much easier and um, just, yeah, no, no reason for him to be there. Yeah. Can we do fuck, Mary kill now? <laughs> it's, at some point, it's, yeah, I mean, that's got to be uh, coming down the line. I'm going to throw in with uh, the Indianapolis field office. I do think it's Tony. I think I cheated before and said, Jerry, I think it's Tony. Just because if nothing else, listen, they managed somehow leading up to this year with Ricky. And and Ricky, let's face it, Ricky probably isn't the best guy for a job, you know, either. So whoever they end up getting his manager presumably they would be able to have a free managerial uh, actual process and they would find somebody good to take over. And, and then, you know, I guess maybe Rick's the next to go and Jerry, as was pointed out, however, indelicately, yeah, he doesn't have much time anyway. So at some point he's going, but again, read our article today from uh, Mark Liptak. Yeah. It's, he's not, not, he's not going to voluntarily sell. That's not happening. I don't know whose sources are what, but he's not selling until he dies too much money. He's going to cost the Reinsdorf family. And let's face it. They like money. We think we know that they like money. They're not going to give money away unless you blow them out. Unless you offer three billion for the White Sox, yeah, of course, yeah, of course he'll sell. I'm not sure if anybody's going to be offering three billion for the White Sox. Listen, we don't have a lot of days off coming up, or I don't know. At least in the next week, we don't. We usually have been pacing these lately with days off, so uh, we're going to just squeeze these in as we do. So we'll probably have another one of these. Uh, who knows? It might be another esoteric Southside Sox Mothership podcast again, uh, probably late this week. Uh, but we'll probably do another one, and, and who knows? The, the, the full attendance of the Indianapolis field office uh, will very likely uh, be around, but if not, hopefully we'll at least get uh, one. Um, Jordan Streak, I think, just continues, especially now that I can pronounce the full name correctly. I'm going to guess she's going to be here probably every podcast. I'm pretty sure she hasn't missed one since uh, joining up. So, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, usual gang of uh, fun folks uh, taking on whatever essay questions I decide to come up with, whether they're fun or not, uh, next podcast. And it'll probably be um, sooner than you think. We'll, we'll probably step these up somehow for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'm probably already regretting that decision, but uh, we'll do another one soon. Um, Joe and Crystal, thanks. Uh, straight out of Indianapolis. Uh, Jordan, eh, a little further west. Uh, thanks for joining again. Um, last words, last thoughts uh, on this White Sox team. Um, how's this next week going to go? Kansas City's in, uh, in town. Can't wait to get swept. It's going to be fun. Like in theory, that should be a good thing, but uh, they have a losing record against Kansas City. Go Mets. Love the Mets. Hey, wait. Here's a prediction real quick. Okay, we are uh, below 500 against the Royals. Uh, Three more games, and they're coming here. Uh, are the White Sox going to end up at least 500 against the Royals for the 2022 uh, season? Joe, what do you think? They have to sweep to do that, so definitely not. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I hadn't even realized that. Okay. Well, this is an easy question, I guess, but, um, uh, I'd go with one for three for my precise prediction on it. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Jordan, there are times you're surprisingly positive on these. Uh, are they going to end up no, with 500 better? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. All right. Uh, and Crystal, I, I, I don't even have They're to. They're going to wind up like nine games back. That might oh. not even be possible. Coming in. It's coming and falling fast. Well, thanks for sticking around, everybody. Reading, watching, listening. Pfft. 
we're not here unless you are. I mean, let's, let's maybe let's rethink this over the next month. But anyhow, we'll be back with the podcast sooner than you're ready.